Hey, hey, how's everybody doing today? My name is Christian Wagner, and I'm the Militant Thomist. Thomist. Here's some people might be don't speak English. They'll they'll uh, they'll pronounce it Thomist. So I'm the Militant Thomist. How are you doing, Calder? You know, I'm not too bad. How are you, Christian? I'm doing beautifully. I forgot to share the link like anywhere. So <laughs> currently well, sharing the link for the stream that I'm currently in. So. Fun. Who, who can't be uh who can be disappointed when there's a uh militant Thomas after dark episode on youtube that's so true i need to i i invited eric but i forgot to you <laughs> see you see it comes with having autism because i was i was currently collecting pdfs of manuals of philosophy <laughs> and then i realized like five minutes ago i was like crap i have a stream to do so that's what I've been doing. I have just a massive list. Has anyone found one that you haven't previously found yet? No. Nobody's oh. ever found one that I've yeah. not heard of before. Crikey. You've really so found them all. Yeah. I've, I literally found like a like thousand work uh, bibliography in like every language. But I checked against my sources, and I found like two that I'd never heard of. So I added those to the list. So unless you're better than this dude that made like literally the biography, uh, bibliography, then <laughs> and, uh, I'm not even telling Eric what it is. I just sent him the uh, invite link. Nice. Oh yeah, and I need to tell everybody on the militant Thomist. I mean the radical Numenite Discord, which you all should join. So. What, what I, 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 only because I'm a cardinal there, so everyone has to join. So true. Force force everybody for membership to join MT After Dark. Oh, true. Is this the right link? No. Yeah. And if anybody's watching has never watched one of these before, what we do is we kind of just talk about whatever anybody wants to talk about. Exactly. Oh, man. Okay, there's the link. There we go. So, link right there. Sorry. Oh boy, do I love this. this is probably very entertaining to watch me just send links places. Mm. Okay. This is probably very entertaining. We have uh, three, three viewers. Three viewers. Very entertaining. Very great. Yeah. Very great. Okay, just sent all the links out. And to light my candle. You know, the thing, the hard thing about buying candles is. Most of these candles they use soy wax, interestingly enough, rather than actual. Oh, Christian, Christian, and I'm not a boy. No, 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 no. no. I make sure I do not use the soy wax. Uh, Wife one time tried to get me a soy wax candle. I was like, no, never using it. Streamyard link out. Hmm. Yeah, I meant to. All right. Okay. Yeah, I just send the streamyard link out to anybody who wants to join. Because, I mean, I can choose to let him in or not. So, so All right. You know. <laughs> is, is that a false illusion of democracy here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if I, if I, somebody pops up and it's like, um, I don't know, uh, like, well, right, what would be a terrible example? <laughs> yes, that's basically if it's that. Currently waiting for more videos on Pius 10. Probably next week. I have a, uh, I have, I've decided to actually um, make a schedule when it comes to how I release videos. And Whoa. what is it? Thursdays. 
Thursdays are for uh, videos where I'm doing um, series on them. So yesterday I did one on certainty um, because I've been doing a series on that. But next week I'll probably go back to a uh, Pius X video because I know everybody just longs after the Pius X videos. The Those intro. are so based. The intro as well. Can't go wrong. Oh, the intro. Oh, the Pius X intro is the best. Yeah, I have the the list of manuals right now. I am. You're the manual man. I'm the manual man. <laughs> Militant manuals. Militant manuals. I've been uh, for everybody watching. Um, I have been. Uh, I'm going to make sure Calder learns theology the proper way. So <laughs> I am not letting. I, I'm. I will be sending him some books from Militant Thomas Press of what he true. needs to read. And hey, 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 be... Christian. Yes. Hey, could, could, where can I get some of these uh, militant to militant Thomas books? Oh, well, good. Great for asking, Calder. Thank oh. you for asking. So I'm going to share my screen right now to show you. Oh, oh, some people came in. The other Morb. Oh, there he is. Wait, wait. Oh, no, mate, you keep, you, you keep trying to it. add yourself, and I keep trying to. Oh, mate. I'm just trying to assert my dominance here. Oh, mate, you got your mushy peas license oh, here in it. Keeps okay, there. there you go. Militant uh, ChristianBWagner.com. You go right there to shop. Click on shop. Right up there at the top, the world famous militant Thomas. Oh, on sale as well. Yeah, Holy and then crap, Lois. all all of these, all of these books that I reprint. If anybody's wondering uh, what I suggest, if you want to learn theology first, get these three books right here: textbook of logic, textbook of moral theology, textbook of mental philosophy. After you learn your basics of philosophy, then you are allowed to start studying theology, and you can get a systematic study of the Catholic religion after that so that's what i'm going to be doing to call there he's going to have to read some philosophy before i even no, thanks, let him bro. touch I'm just theology gonna stick with my bible Crikey. oh yeah obviously read your bible actually no, make sure literally and uh, did you did you know the other paul i'm not sure whether you know this caller probably knows it but if you read the catechism of pope Pius x which if you want to know about roman catholic theology that's actually a really good source mm. the other paul in case you're wondering but um what you have to we have to do is read the section on the Bible in the Catechism of Pope St. Pius X, and you got to see what it says. <clears throat> because what it says is that you are not allowed to read a Bible unless it has notes in it. That's from the Catholic right. Church. Oh, and if you, oh, get, if, you get, if you get handed a Bible from a Protestant, do you know what you have to do? Burn it. Burn it. <laughs> I almost wish Catholics did that so I have so that I'd have an excuse to deck him in the face in real life. Burning, burning Bibles. Yeah, right. No, you're supposed Why to get your parish me, priest. Me Why did the other Paul look like he just woke up? Because I did just wake up. <laughs> you gotta wake up on the other side of the air. In it, in it, in it, bro. In it, bro. <laughs> yeah. well, are you from Manchester? In it. Oh, do you know if I was from Manchester, I wouldn't be waking up in the morning. Oh, lads, I would be topping myself if I was from Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait, right, Reverend, right, Honourable uh, Limbu. Um, right, right. Are are you, are you also uh, English? Oh yes, I'm Anglo for sure. Yeah. Man, all these, all these non-Americans. Gosh, this is this is so sad. 
So, uh, but we, to, to be fair, um, unfortunately, we were the inventors of the First Amendment. So, Bruh. unfortunately, you were, yes. yes. So, I mean, sorry, versus, the, sorry about that. versus the Chad censor all speech, I don't like. Yeah, he's, he's not going to be proud of being like, oh, yeah, we're, here's the Constitution, guys. <laughs> we'll go but I have, the, I have the perfect uh, meme for that. Uh, it's oh, not on my computer, though, but it's the one. Oh, wait, no, I'll just Google it. There's one guy in my friends group who he's a South American dude. He's 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 mostly traditionalist Catholic, but he's sympathetic with liberation theologians. And he, and he harps on about like, oh, my monarchies are bad, republics are the best, my constitution, this my constitution. Bro, so we just mock him all day. Bro, just bully him, dude. Just bully him. We literally we, we relentlessly bully him. Like, hey man, my my con- that's not constitutional, man. Like, just went, it went in any conversation. Anyway, and he's South American, so he actually does talk like that. <laughs> yeah, he he does actually talk like that. He's Colombian. Absolute city lad. Yes, I know this oh. most <laughs> Sonic dish rag. It has been modified 27 times. I'm calling them the PC Charlotte games and pledge allegiance to right now. <laughs> <laughs> no such thing as freedom of speech in Rome. Simple as. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's it's like, has, um, <clears throat> man, I wish we had Trendy here. Trendy would, would, would definitely know. But, like, it's very clear that freedom of religion um, and then freedom of speech freedom of the press, all these things have been uh, condemned mm, as yes. being extremely impious. True. Yes. True. This is Americanism. The, the yeah, yeah, they yeah, are yeah. They're not in accordance with the teaching of the church. So, question for the other Paul. When will the Anglicans canonize George Floyd? <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is, you know, here's, here's the thing. It assumes that it assumes that Justin Welby hasn't already done it in his own private. <laughs> he probably has. Did, did probably it, uh, okay, okay. To, to own to for a bit of a self-own, didn't uh Father James Martin say uh George Floyd pray for us? He did, yeah. Oh, no, it's so no. tragic. We need we need no. to watch that video. Oh my god, did not happen. I'll, I'll send the image. I thought it was a post. Please. It's it's a based image of Justin Welby saying a word, a funny word. Uh oh. Uh, yeah. Uh oh. Uh oh. Justin Welby saying the N word. Yes. Based. Yeah, oh no, bro! You this this is this is a public stream, dude. You can't say stuff like that. <laughs> well, I'm not uh, saying the N word. I'm just yeah. saying. <laughs> I'm just saying it's based. What's wrong with that? <laughs> yes. it's based. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll Lim- pick Lim- Limbu's out. like the kid who always wanted to read that certain page of Lord of the Flies in like school <laughs> when they're oh, doing no. like, the class reading. <laughs> what is reading? Or just reading like when when it's your turn to read in class and it has the word sex in the reading? And the kids <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, sir, could I please read page sixty-seven of uh, what, what was the book called? Uh, oh. What, what was the book with uh, Bro, this is so so this is a james martin tweet right here oh james martin God. sj this is not a great day for george floyd who only wanted to breathe <laughs> or for his family or friends who wanted him to live may mr floyd pray for us in heaven forgive us for the violence we did to him and for the disgraceful lack of sorrow mourning and remorse to him here james martin assumed floyd was in heaven that's so bad. The way he says that, he only George Floyd, who only wanted to breathe. It sounds like he was like going to the shops to like breathe or something, like an activity he was going to achieve. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Bro, he was only Bro. going to the pool. So. If, 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 if only I didn't set my name as the uh, as the uh, as the as the name of this stream, otherwise I'll be making some funnies at the moment. 
Oh yeah, uh, Anglican. Anglican. Let's look at the Anglican calendar of saints. F two says, "Bro, that's so funny. I can't believe <laughs> Episcopal, the Episcopal calendar of saints." Bro, don't tell me that he's on there. Definitely- Rabbi James Martinstein strikes again. <laughs> Rabbi James Martinstein. <laughs> Too true. Whoa, can I choose <laughs> Yo, can I wait? Can I calendar of saints, Episcopal right Church? All you have to do is look whichever ones start with tw- with uh, nineteen. So, oh, Galley's Gladys. First Indian Anglican bishop. Oh, I, if, you're, if you're Indian, you get on the list. Okay. Martin Luther King Jr. Is it, is it right here? <laughs> alternative date. There you go. Well, he's, got two, he's got two feasts. Got two, two. I love Dude, the one. Oh, they have a feast day for the ordination of the first woman priest in the Anglican community. Hold on. I love the way you said that. Martin Luther King Jr. <laughs> Composer slash musician. You like literally just compose uh, music and you get on the list. I cannot believe that the ordination of Florence oh, is important. Man, what, what's next? They're going to like canonize. They're going to canonize uh, Kanye West. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, they won't. He he's, too, to... he's too true. He speaks too much truth. They're not yeah, he, he, he's like... against abortion, unlike, the, unlike most of the Anglicans. Oh, well, gosh. I'll give it to the like E-Anglicans that they seem to be like... Pakistani Christian martyr. Oh, man, this like 10... <gasps> like, Luther Francis Jane, Franny Vaughn, Elstein Crosby. Very, very Fanny. cool. Oh, funny, funny word. Yeah. Martin Luther. Let's go, boys. Is Martin Luther, Martin Luther bro? bro. Saint Martin John Luther, Luther or based, John Henry based, Newman, based, 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 the man, and the man that will, their church. I will. I will. Convert what does what what it mean? Okay. What does it mean to be prophetic witness, dude? It means the devil appeared. Charismatic gang. Let's go. <laughs> They'd be like, oh, I spoke, I, I, I spoke to the angels. I'm like, no, you didn't. Go see an exorcist. Monastic? Yes. She just find this page. Have they, right, have they ever... Pioneers in medicine? Have they ever, oh. like, put a... What's his name? Gregory Dick? Wait, the guy from the Mayo oh. Clinic. They have a feast day for him. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, imagine having your last Harriet name Mayo. Tubman. <laughs> You know, do you know? Do you know who I'm talking about, though, Christian? You know, what was it uh, Dom Gregory Dix, the Benedictine Anglican? Yeah, yeah. Is I he know, on the calendar? Probably. Oscar Probably. Romero. Oscar Romero. Oh, really, bro? Oh, really? So, like, Romero. He's a full-on liberation theologian. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oscar Romero is pretty. Unironically, though, the movie Martin about him Luther is really King good. Jr. There we go. Oh, there's his, there's his primary feast day. <laughs> well, we had one. dreams and you bro. Yeah. bro, we just got oh, Richard. Bro, you Richard. can't say Richard. that. You're going to get so much trouble, bro. Hey, guys. For any anybody watching, for anybody watching, these are the other Paul's uh, own thoughts. So if you have any complaints, direct them to at theotherpaul2 on Twitter. If you have any complaints. Bill Cosby. What? (laughs) How do we miss that? No, 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 no. no. I don't think. Wait, wait. Really? No, no. I think someone... I remember there was one that had the last name Cosby. I don't think it was Bill Cosby. Do, do a text must, search. Nah, has so text much search. No, 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 no Cosby on here. St. Cosby. Could you start with 19 again? Okay. Yeah, the, the Anglicans will be like, oh, I heard Jeffrey Epstein was baptized at the moment of his suicide. Therefore, we're putting him on, his, on, on our calendar. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Jeffrey, Jeffrey Epstein, patron saint of teenage girls. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Bro. Oh, bro. All right. And if the Episcopalians were to, were to canonize him, that's what Look, and they have a second one, too. The first ordination of women to the priesthood in the Episcopal Church. Bro. They literally just yeah, have two feast days just for ordaining women. Women, women have two days. That's freaking disgusting. Mur- wait, wait, wait. Murbearing woman. What does that mean exactly? The women mm. at the, uh, the murbearers. It's an Eastern tradition. Right. Basically anything with wit I've seen like five feast days for women so far. Basically anything that's ever happened in church history that involved a woman, they make it a feast day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's, it's, that's how much of an achievement it is for like a Edith, woman. To bro, do Edith Edith Stein would just like absolutely like backhand you guys. Like, come on. Honestly, yeah. She like, was a she was a like a nun philosopher. She was a holy nun. There's no way that she's holy be nun, okay dude. on the name. German Jewish nun. Mushy Den- Denzel A. Cardi? What is Denzel A. Cardi? Denzel Washington. Descartes? Ew, they canonized Descartes? Did they? What? Where? <laughs> <laughs> you said the name Descartes or something. I'm like, oh, what? They canonized Descartes? <laughs> Albert Schwitzer? Man, they basically what they wait, did. Wait, 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 wait. Albert Schwitzer? Are you freaking kidding me? Basically, what they did is they canonized all of the New Belt theology. He's the guy who pioneered the theory that Jesus was a failed apocalyptic prophet. Bro. Are these people like high on crack? How many secretary general of the United Nations? How many? (laughs) Public public servant. I see how it is. Public servant. (laughs) Look, another. Just because the guy got shot out of a plane doesn't make him a saint. Mm. True story, by the way. That 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 exact yes, uh, secretary general, evangelist, and ecumenical pioneer. Oh my gosh! Goodness. The the founder of the YMCA. YMCA. Yes, so cool. Founder of the YMCA. Ew, YMCA. Dear me. Hey, Eric's here. Hey, Eric. Hey, Eric. You let Eric in. Oh, Eric's been. Boy, Eric. What? What? Am I in or am I out? You're in. Okay. He's, he's in. We're we're looking at the Episcopal Church. Um, is that who this is? Yeah. <gasps> I was wondering why it was so terrible. That makes more sense now, bro. You perceive the injustices of capitalism. You know, what? I hate capitalism just as much as the other guy. But when the Episcopalians start hating capitalism, I start loving capitalism. <laughs> Agricultural missionary. Bro, what is an agricultural missionary? I don't even want to know. Like, <laughs> it like baptizes people in like seed oil or something. <laughs> Bro, some random queen of uh, Hawaii. Composer of guys. My favorite Anglican saint, Gregory Palamas. Wait, where? No. C.S. Lewis. Hey, Clement of Rome, my man, the OG Protestant. The OG uh, Pope. Yeah, that's right. The Pope, the Protestant Pope. How good. Wrong. Two tier. Coral Bart. Bro, Francis de Sales. Bro, keep his name out of your mouth. Keep my saint's name out Uh, of your mouth. (laughs) What was he saying? Thomas Merton. Eric, what the hell are you doing? What am honestly, I doing? Honestly, the biggest the biggest L is probably canonizing Thomas Merton. When Episcopalians hate capitalism, you become Trent Horn. That's true. Henry Bud. No. Okay, now Bishop of the Niger territories. Now this is about to get even worse. I'm gonna put mm. in 20. 
Mm. <laughs> Let's see if there's any after 2000. I hope someone doesn't mispronounce the Niger territories. Yeah, Niger. That would be terrible. Yeah. Okay, Martyrs of Carthage. Okay, we good so far. 1920. Mm. Okay, we good. Environmentalist. Environmentalist. Bro. Nice one, mate. Bro, this guy. Oh he's my. a hippie. He's a hippie, dude. Imagine what, helping the trees as well. Bro, Pope John the 23rd. <laughs> and church reformer. <sighs> how many I wonder how many popes they have canonized. Oh dang. Why the hell what is wrong with the Episcopal? Why have they injected Ellen so much Creek crack into artist? The Boston-based African-American artist. What? Oh, that's nice to know. Hey yo, I made some I made some sounds. <laughs> now canon as saint, bro. <laughs> At least they're helping minorities. I mean, getting the diversity okay. up. I'm maybe it's like maybe that's like the only, like... only post 2000 saint. I wonder how many popes they have. Oh, I my. feel like Episcopalian canonization what? is the only like, pope is they like, have is, is like partic- I feel like Episcopalian canonizations for minorities are just like participation trophies at this point. Oh, you did a thing. <laughs> Bang, you're a saint now. Bro, look at this. Look at this. The only the only pope who was ever canonized by the Episcopalians is Pope John the 23rd. Why? 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 You couldn't think of a better one than Pope John the 23rd? No, no, no. They canonized they canonized Clement of Rome unless you don't believe he was pope and he was one no, of no, no, the bishops. They don't, they, don't they don't call him pope though. That's that's kind of gay though. Yeah, what is what is an even more cursed uh, calendar of saints? Oh, is there, more, is there a Mormon calendar? There's an ELCA calendar of saints. Evangelical is that, is that evangelical Lutheran? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's the ones that had the lesbians. I mean, the oh, the transgender bishop who was racist. Oh, was she actually racist, or did she just say like this? Includes what? LCMS, so it's not just ELCA. Perhaps uh, they share their calendar. No, they definitely don't. You sure about that? Because I mentioned both. The Wikipedia article mentioned both. It must be correct. Bro, let's just do the Palmyran calendar. Come on. <laughs> Bro. Wait, let's do the Pope Michael calendar. Didn't they canonize oh, uh, the, the short mustache dude from uh, from Germany? Oh, yeah. One of my favorite Austrian painter. Oh, <laughs> gosh. You should canonize how, the other how, how are you just saying? How are you just saying these things with your face on... Like your face is on the internet. You're saying these things. You don't have a job. Big concern. Uh, not yet. Um, Who's the guy yet. with the gay accent? Which one? Bruh. Bruh. There's like there's like three different accents that are gay yeah, here. Bruh. Why do they have Moses the Black twice, bro? They saw black, so they decided to just like ramp them up. It. Ruth Bader Ginsburg is a saint in the Anglican. That can't be true. No, no way. But no, she she, no, she, she, she was Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Just that uh, cool with the anti-Semitic remarks. Wow. <laughs> yeah, okay. There there's somebody who's talked about Ruth Saint Ruth Bader Ginsburg. No, mate. Just because someone is of a foreign religion just doesn't mean they can't be a Christian saint. Oh. According to I'm, the Episcopalian. I'm, I'm the true. Yeah. Colder but yeah, colder. It's literally just like it's like it's not as it's not as it's not as easy to get cancelled as a lot of people think. It's just like just be chill and you're cool. That's pretty much just me. I say things that are like funny and edgy, but it's like nothing that's too crazy. 
the deification of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Oh, yeah, Ruth Bader Ginsburg has achieved theosis, you stupid papist. <laughs> she had the news. <laughs> well, I, what, what I can't wait for, and I can't wait, I mean, I'm born for it. But one day what you're going to have huh, is you're going to have the OCA. Huh. You guys know what the OCA is? The Orthodox Church in America, which is like super duper liberal. The OCA in like 50 years is basically going to be like the Episcopal Church. And you'll have like Orthodox with like women priests and Orthodox with like. Wasn't wasn't there some controversy uh, a a little while ago that because they weren't sort of outspoken on abortion or something like that? I have no idea. The OCA is there, there was there was something or other. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember there being some sort of controversy over the like the um what is it? One of their pay, uh, their uh, bishops not being outspoken on abortion. But funnily enough, right, my spiritual director, one of his friends, is a part of Rocor now as a priest. Right, he apostatized or left the uh, the Catholic Church when he was um, young, right? And the old Metropolitan, head of uh, the OCA, actually left the OCA to become a Russian Orthodox priest or bishop. It's quite interesting. I don't know yeah, why. That was, Stan, that, was the most, that was the most cursed image I've ever seen in my life. It would have got to go. Oh, bye, right, Honorable. Yes, bye, guys. All right, I've got to actually hit it now. I've got to give my brother some gifts for his uh, birthday, and then I'm going to get ready for my stream in half an hour. Tell, tell him I said happy birthday. Will do. I will tell you. I'll tell him that a niche internet micro celebrity wished him happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Catch All you, right, boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, now let's just call their Eric and I. Eric. Yes. What have you been reading recently? Reading. Yeah. Uh, I started on Augustine's Confessions. Very based, very based. Calder doesn't know how to read, so what does that? What do you mean, Chris? Calder just doesn't know how to read. That's kind of based, dude. What uh, do you mean, Chris? Right, John? No. So for, for for everyone listening, I'm being slandered against. No, honestly, I think I, it's based on you know, your knowledge from eighth paintings. Bro, I get all of my knowledge from micro niche YouTube celebrities, and I get my knowledge from visions in my dreams. So true, King. So true. What was it? I've Can't been uh, how to make Microsoft Excel work. Oh, Hassan's here. Oh man, hello. hello. How's it going, Hassan? Oh, hi, Mark. Mark? Did you, you call Hassan Mark? Excuse it's me? this movie, The Room, and it's like the most terribly done movie ever, and people make fun of it all the time. And one of the lines is, "Oh, hi, Mark." Oh, hi, Mark. Hassan. How do you pronounce? Yes. Yeah. Is Hassan is Hassan your first name or your middle name? Uh, so my first name is technically Sayed, but like my given name is Hassan, like my actual like name that I'm supposed to be called. Oh, I had a, a professor one time, and Daniel Roberts is going to know who this is, but yeah, he was from Egypt, and he had like the way that they did names is they would just take like their dad's first name and then make it like kind of like their middle name and then they just keep going so he had like 16 names that's weird 
so he just picked the easiest name for uh, white people to pronounce, and then he made that his name when he moved to America. So, Hassan, what have you been reading recently? Um, I've been reading a um, social teaching evaluation of globalization. So, social teaching, dude. Is this... what? So... You, you actually, who were you talking to in the Discord? But you were talking about how liberation theology actually isn't bad. It's kind of sus. I wouldn't go that far. But what, what did you say, though? I can't remember. What I was saying was that as it started out, it was much more orthodox. And there were corrections made by the Holy See of Father Gutierrez and some of the other early authors. And there was this like cross-fertilization between him, the Ceylon conferences in South America, the Universal Synod headed in Rome, and uh, like the papal magisterium. And then there were these like corrections of everybody else coming from Rome and the Bishop Synod. And there was a gradual development of actual contributions to Catholic social teaching. Uh, Problem is that especially as liberation theology started to grow, it just like ballooned into becoming, generally speaking, very heterodox. But there are aspects of it that are part of like Roman Catholic teaching at this point. Interesting. So the patriarch of Antioch created by Peter where the word Christian was used for the first time. So also the word Catholic. Very cool, Ivan. Very cool. So, Eric, we're gonna. Yes. I'm gonna bully you. I finally, I finally, because because we've never got you in an empty after dark. We've only gotten you in chill streams, which is a reminder: Patreon.com/slash/MillicentThomas to get access to the chill streams. But, Eric, you you uh, you you gave some some reasons for why you weren't Catholic. Uh, would you uh, express those reasons? Um. Basically, the matter is far from settled, I will say that, but it's a big personal decision, and I have, at this point, yet to yet to read enough to feel comfortable in fully concluding the matter one way or another. You're, you're open-minded. Yes, I'm not fully closed to anything other than, like, Judaism. So pace, so pace. <laughs> if you're also close, you're also close to like being a Baptist because that would be cringe. Oh uh, yeah, no, we're not, we're not going Baptist. <laughs> okay, so based. So, so right now you were like set. Your mind is settled on on the sacraments when it comes to like basically like you need them. I, yes, at, at that most basic level, yeah. Okay, <laughs> basically you need them. Okay, and then, hmm. I don't know what's the what's the best way to to go go about this, Eric. I, I will I, tell I, you that you're not screaming into a void with me, um, but I'm not just going to become Catholic based on what you say because, like I said, it's an important personal decision, and I would need to reach that conclusion independently. Well, bro, bro, trust, bro, trust. That's my, that's my <laughs> trust best. me, bro. I, I, I think what the that's the thing thing with me is the beauty of coming from a low church Anglican um, background is that it, you know 
the church I was going to was just such a joke that it was a no-brainer to become Catholic. Whereas some people actually have to sit and think about it a little bit. Well, I mean, in America, it's kind of different. We don't just have, like... because yeah, in, in America... Like, the, like, in America, like, we don't yeah. just have, like, the meme, like, established church with, yeah. like, a transgender bishop and then the Catholic church. We actually have, like, 500 different options because America. Yeah. So what, what do you, if I may ask, Eric, what, what do you sort of adhere to at the moment, or do you not? Um, at the moment, uh, I most strongly adhere to Presbyterianism. Interesting. Based. What? Wait, uh, wait base? Wait, what? what? The sun? That's the, that, that that's the best of all the wrong options. That's the best of all the wrong options. So that's very true. Honestly, I Eric, you would love this, but somebody, some like Eastern Orthodox was he was mouthing off on Twitter, and I, t- and he got mad at me because I told I told a uh, Presbyterian that it was better to stay Presbyterian than become Eastern Orthodox. Oh, I saw that. I did see that. It's like then, Viserion, yeah. Viserion's tweet, the 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 infamous Viserion tweet. That this is a leg, absolute legend of a tweet. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna pull it up so I can get the exact wording. Sorry, right, I'll be back in a minute. Okay, this is the 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 like the best tweet ever. Oh man. Where is it? Oh, the wife brought me dinner. Look at that. Eric says hi. Hello. Okay. That was the most awkward hello ever. What? There wasn't enough sauce? Oh, dang. And it's Friday, so you guys better not be eating meat out there. You know what? You know what I gave up? I'm looking for this tweet. Is This tweet was so based. But okay, here it is. Wait, what was I just saying? I can't remember. I was looking for this tweet. There it is. I think very few religions manage to be less appealing than Eastern Orthodoxy. Theologically and philosophically, even Islam is far superior. Very true, very true. So true. Okay. So my my issue, this has kind of been my reigning issue, and the issue that I always because I'm assuming, well, actually I know. I have a class the question I haven't been able to find an answer online. Okay, you can ask it, Daniel. But Daniel would be interested in this too. So um and I'll I'll answer that in a minute. Actually, Hassan probably can answer it better. But my issue has has always been that while there are, um, on, on the face of it, there are claims to continuity with the earlier church and even some continuity with the medieval church, that when it comes to those claims of continuity with the medieval church, if one actually sits down and just thinks about it for like 30 seconds, about how that continuity between the medieval and between the um reformed church would work it just completely falls apart because when you read the orthodox anglican writers of the first period which are going to uh, find the most continuity with the medieval church 
even then it is completely uh, it, there there can be no claim to to valid continuity with them especially uh, this is especially revealed in the liturgy um, the fact that the liturgy is the expression of the faith of the uh, of the the medieval liturgy is the expression of the faith of the medieval church and the fact that anglican priests would not be able to uh, say the medieval liturgy in good conscience because they don't believe um, what is what is expressed in the serum rite, for example. So you would have to uh, show that there is that continuity between the medieval and the Reformed Church. Have you been annihilated, Eric? No. I mean, obviously, I don't have a response to that. So, so do you, do you think it's a big deal if you uh, if you wouldn't have continuity with the medieval church? Um, I suppose because then you you would kind of lose that claim that uh, many make to be the church of the the church of the uh, the Nicene period to say that Rome is actually the the church which had uh, which had schismed from the apostolic faith. But along with the, the promises that are made by our Lord for the church is a, is a continuity and leading of the spirit into all truth. And, um, and without, without that direct continuity between the, uh, even the most basic things like the liturgy of the medieval church and the reformed church that, and a, um, not only a, a recognition of lack so they could say like, oh, the, the medieval liturgy just wasn't good. But the the medieval liturgy was something which was positively damnable, something which was positively idolatrous. So don't there there's just a huge problem uh, coming with that air with that um, area. And the fact of the matter is that there were Latin councils in the medieval church where the the English church was represented and the rest of the churches of the um, of the Western Church, uh, which you, you can you can label it Western Church in this uh, in this mindset, were represented in these councils, and they would and they decreed things by consent and agreement of the entire Western Church that the Reformed Church would not be able to agree to. So there there's huge problems there uh, ecclesiologically that I that I think can't be um, overcome. It's kind of interesting that you say that there's. Um... There's a big link between what you've said and the argument that was made at the Second Council of Nicaea, um, where they argued that um, the idea of um, the church falling into widespread idolatry through image veneration would contradict um, would contradict all of the um, the, pro the, the promises and prophecies made in the Old Testament about uh, Christ's sort of effect on the church being a liberation of people, uh, the people, a liberation of the church from idolatry. So how could it be that the Catholic church for at least a couple of hundred years was almost like entirely uh, like iconophilic? And it kind of it kind of leads into the same sort of argument, like how could the whole church have a materially idolatrous liturgy? 
uh, of the Eucharist, a, a damnable liturgy, uh, liturgy, as Christian said. Uh, it, because because the claim the claim is not yeah. like if the claim was basically yeah the medieval church it kind of was like just wrong and we were we were doing a reform movement to uh, to stay within the uh, the the grand medieval liturgy if the, in the uh, larger scope of the medieval church that would be fine like I, I would honestly say like okay yeah we've had we've had reform movements like that before where we've we've kind of strayed and we've needed to bring ourselves back on path but never has uh, have Catholic reformers claimed that there was a certain um, damnableness uh, to, to the previous church that you have uh, what, what the, the Protestants would call in the sacrifice of the mass, one of the greatest and gravest idolatries uh, known to man. So you, you, you would have a pretty serious issue ecclesiologically with having that continuity. And I tried, I tried to get the other Paul on this, um, the other day on a chill stream, but uh, he he did he didn't want to answer me. So we'll, we'll see next time he's on. I'll I'll bring it up to him. But uh, Daniel, be, wait, go ahead. I said I would be interested to hear uh, kind of Paul's response to that if he does have one. Um, I I don't know. Um, I think I, I think there's kind of what when it comes to the magisterial Protestants, there is kind of that. Uh, that, that strong uh, tension that they have to always suffer under because they're going to have the the magisterial side of it and they're going to have the Protestant side of it. Um, they're going to have the reform side of it and the Catholic side of it, that they're going to have to do something with the medieval church that's not just like an obviously uh, false claim to strong continuity. And having them fall into the gravest idolatry. I remember a friend... Um, a friend kind of got me on this when I was talking to him, where I said, because at this time I was an Anglo-Catholic, where I said I thought that the uh, the, the Second Council of Nicaea was a valid council. Um, and and he said, well, what, what you have in the Anglican Church is at least until the late 19th century, so there's hundreds of years, where there was positive heresy being taught in the English Church against the veneration of images. Like, how can you claim to have continuity with the Second Council of Nicaea? And he was a Protestant who denied the authority of the Second Council of Nicaea. But that's basically the point I'm getting across, because you have all of these Latin medieval councils that you have to account for. Along with the fundamental nature of the liturgy. That's the thing. Like, if you're you're looking at, like, um, a Presbyterian ecclesiology, a friend of mine sent me... um, a, a Presbyterian treatise on ecclesiology, and I was reading through it, and I found that like the idea of the general guidance of the Spirit in the Church is supposed to be such that the Church will never like lose its essential, explicit beliefs in the in the the basics of the gospel, right? But it would seem to be that if you're saying that like idolatry was an underlying theme and principle of Christian worship for all Christians for centuries that that would itself be lost. So even like, obviously like on a Presbyterian like view of the, like of indefectibility, which is a lot more restrictive than our view of indefectibility, it would still fail. Uh, So like if if you're kind of like looking at it based on their own kind of criteria, I guess. 
it seems like there's sort of like this weird um, intellectualism with it when it comes to how the faith has been expressed uh, throughout the history of the church. Because for most of the history of the church, the faith is expressed by uh, by the liturgy, and then basically like what, what whatever you whatever you tell your kids, which are usually things contained in the liturgy. Usually, you are teaching your kids like the, the creed that you recite. You're teaching your kids uh, the very basic things that you're going to uh, receive, and then you're expounding upon that as you've learned over the years of living through the liturgy and being catechized yourself, and then. And then uh, the the preaching of your priest, if he if he does preach, that that's going to be uh, the way in which the faith is passed on. So if if you're going to have the liturgy, which is foundational when it comes to just the lived faith of the of the laity, uh, if you're going to have that fall into some sort of grave idolatry, and you're going to uh, have have something which strikes such at the fundamentals of the faith that you're going to need to. Um, you're going to need to uh, disobey your superiors uh, and disobey much of the church, and then in some cases break off, break communion with with uh, the rest of the church. Then what you're going to have is you're going to have uh, that that claim to continuity and that claim uh, to to the continual survival of the church is going to be completely uh, void, null and void. Well, gentlemen, this has certainly been profitable, and I appreciate the discussion. Yeah, what you, what what I would recommend is I think I think what what the problem is, and something I think the precepts actually get right. The problem with just this kind of like piecemeal, like let's say you brought up, well, I think uh, I don't like this thing about Mariology, like I don't like the Immaculate Conception, and we talk about the Immaculate Conception. 500 hours and you watch 37 debates on it and read 27 books on it and you're like okay i'm convinced on the app on the immaculate conception okay but i don't agree with the papacy and it, it like this piecemeal sort of way of going about it is is extremely uh just a waste waste of everybody's time i think the two most important things to look at are going to be the sources of authority and then connected with that obviously is going to be ecclesiology. So it's just going to be an extended discussion on fundamental theology that needs to happen um, with, with any of these situations. And then we can kind of um, ex post facto um, talk about these other things of individual doctrine that people may have issues with. All right. Gentlemen, I got you. Yeah. Okay. So how does the Catholic Church make the jump from elders slash bishops and deacons mentioned in the pastoral letters to the current ecclesiastical system? This is one of my favorite things. I know. It's one of your favorite things. Would you like to uh, like to red pill Daniel? I, I don't think you like my view, though, do you? I don't like your view, but I mean, you're much more learned on this than I am. All right. Uh, so... Uh, my view is that the Episcopate and the Presbyterate are distinct aspects of a single reality of holy orders, and that the apostles give us a precedent of being able to separate the aspects of this sacrament into multiple sacramental orders, which belong to the same sacrament of orders, uh, which contains the same fullness of power, which can be split uh, into sections uh, or levels, each containing everything below it. 
And that's what you see with the separation of the priesthood from the diaconate under the apostles. They set the precedent for this. And what we see is that effectively, and this is argued in an Anglican book by Alistair Stewart called Original Bishops, but you start out with a church that only has bishops and deacons. Every presbyter is a bishop. And then bishops start to cooperate with each other. The Christian community becomes more dense. There start being serious problems with heretics. And so the church makes a decision to do something similar to what the apostles did. They separated the diaconate from, uh, from the, the, the priestly power. And they separate the presbyteral power from the properly Episcopal power so that there are then high priests, priests and deacons and the high priests, uh, the high priests power, which is distinct from the presbyters is that episcopy, which is given to the apostles in John 20, um, you know, receive the Holy spirit, whoever sins you forgive will be forgiven, etc. Whereas the presbyterate is given at the last supper. So basically there isn't really that much of a, of a conflict with the history and the Roman Catholic position. Once you understand sort of like the, the sort of like early church on the Catholic, the general Catholic view, the sort of malleability of the governmental order of the church without affecting any of the substance of what was given by Christ. Yeah. And, uh, while I'm open to being red pilled at this position, um, I would just take the fact of if you read um, Lancelot Andrews and actually wrote a basically a series of articles a while ago in the Episcopacy that kind of went over Lancelot Andrews view, but he was a Anglican Bishop in the 17th century. And he shows the sort of malleability of language that's found in the new Testament. So I would just take the, um, the usage of elder and Bishop to be, um, most for the most part, improperly used, uh, not improperly in like it, it as in wrong, but improperly as in like not technical, but just more like commonly thrown around terms describing uh, certain aspects of offices. So taking uh, elder and bishop in their strictest sense without uh, being able to uh, be used for those outside of that, what we now call that office would, in my view, be a mistake. So the, the way that I hold it is basically the terms are used very loosely um, throughout, throughout the New Testament. You see this with uh, Peter calling himself an elder. You see this with the term deacon is thrown around for a, a lot of people. Same with the word apostle. And it's not until later that you get this uh, very formalized language, which are uh, signifying uh, certain uh, offices. But the offices of, of, of what we now call bishop, elder, and deacon were, were there. But... Uh, Okay, then there's kind of like a follow-up. Being I get behind the idea of Pope, but where does cardinals, etc., come from? So like metropolitans, patriarchs, cardinals, all, all of those, basically anything besides um, besides deacon, priest, and bishop, anything besides that is going to be something which is uh, a merely. Uh, it's not going to be something of divine right. It's going to be something which is which is canonical and it's going to be by ecclesiastical law. So if the church wanted to just get rid of the cardinals and let's say have all the bishops come and vote for the Pope, they could, they could do that. Uh, I was going to say that the the cardinal, like the cardinal one's pretty like, that one's like probably the most like open one. Like the, the, I don't know when, I don't remember exactly when the cardinals are established as an institute in a loose sense here, but 
like that's a pretty uh, open thing that the cardinal like like the, the popes were not originally elected to be a, a curia of cardinals or whatever. But that's a, yeah, that, that I mean, made a I'm not sure. I'm not sure actually about uh, about patriarchs. Could could patriarchs be uh, just like they were just with? made when 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 it became needed for large metropolitan areas to be managed in a more effective way basically so whenever you had higher populations of christians that's what a patriarch basically is it's just yeah. a, a, a a same with kind of like an archbishop to a degree is like it's a, a bishop who oversees oversees in quotation marks here other bishops right the more accurately yes. he works with them but uh in that case all that you all all that it is is when you have such a large metropolitan area of christians that you need more, uh, you kind of need that structure, so you need multiple bishops in one. Yeah, it's going to be area. it's going to be more like pra from yeah. practical usage, and I mean, exactly, like Nicaea, yeah. Nicaea says that it's something which is ancient, even in their yeah. days. And I don't know if it's apostolic, but it's kind of just it's kind of just like yeah, you need you have this group of bishops in this one area. You kind of need like a single guy, like where the buck stops. If the, when they when they have their synods, you need to have a guy who's yeah. going to rule the synod and everything. We like we can actually trace this up. There's actually a good uh, model for this. So. We were talking about this, and this is one of the things that makes the Roman Catholic sort of ecclesiastical order more uh, tenable than the Eastern Orthodox one. On the Eastern Orthodox one, there's no uh, divinely instituted indefectible primacy from which all other ecclesiastical primacies, which are by positive law, take their imitation. So uh, the, the way that we put it was, uh, if the Petron office wasn't a divine institution and didn't pre-exist the metropolitanate, the archiepiscopate, and things like this, there wouldn't be any justification for these offices coming about by positive law, because then the lower, that is just the act, like everybody being equal bishops, would be giving rise to the authority of the higher. Whereas on our view, these offices are understood as certain images of the Petron office and degrees that can be established by positive law between the regular bishop and the pope. And the first instance that we have of this is of course the uh the original authority the special authority over many bishops or many presbyters that was had in jerusalem yeah which you see in, in acts 15. primacy in jerusalem is grounded in primacy, and all ecclesiastical primacies that exist by positive law over history are kind of like derived from imitation of at different levels of that. And what's, um, and what's actually... Uh, yeah, what's kind of interesting about this, in my opinion, at least, is that if you read the letters of, of Photius, this is a weird pivot, but if you read Photius's letters, Photius seems to understand this idea that, like, you have the Petrine, like, capital the Petrine office in Rome, right? And then you have sort of all the other uh, major, uh, the five other major sees, or four other major sees, rather, and he still calls them Petrine, but he refers to them in a very different sense. And that sort of reflects that this idea that like uh, all of this, and even Francis Dvornik says this too, like we can understand all of the seas to be in a sense Petrine, but that they all are Petrine in a reflective sense besides Rome. Right. And then Daniel, something I'm wrestling right now is this, if the Holy Spirit was guiding the church for four, first four councils, why would it stop there and wait all the way into the Synod of Dor before acting again and not guide the church and the council throughout the entire age of the church? I think the question of the liturgy is even even more vital than even the question of the councils. 
because if you have because uh like the origins of the roman right calder probably knows uh more about this than than i do but when it comes to the origins of the roman right like all of what protestants would consider the, the blasphemous parts would be all the way back to uh pope saint gregory the great's time at least uh well the, 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 the interesting thing about the roman right my, uh, the great uh oratorian uh reverend michael uwe lang writes a lot about this uh, at his work at the University of St. Mary's uh, of the late in America. I'm not sure exactly what state. But um, the Roman Rite, as we know it, um, it came a lot later than people think. And you so what what we see in the early church and i'm talking the very very early church is mm. that we begin to see a basic outline of eucharistic service taking yep. place so of course using the term eucharistic service sounds very um liberal anglican you know taking away sacrificial language but as we knew it back in the early church we didn't know it as mass. We just knew that it was a sacrifice. We knew that it was a sacrificial meal instituted by Christ at the Last Supper. So the, the issue that we have is that a unified Roman rite, as well as unified rites as a whole, did not come into the church until a lot later. So it is possible that there were very mis, mis, misunderstood or even heretical services taking place. But we have to remember the context of these services, which is that there was not a single unified right mm -hmm. until very later on. So in the early church, if there are, and I'm not sure exactly because um, I focus a lot on, you know, the rights of religious orders, but, um, you will notice that it uh, it takes a while for there to be the first beginnings of the uh, universal uh, of the uh, unified rights. I've got but a bunch it, of it, cer it certainly isn't like in the late medieval age, though. Correct? No, no, it's h hundreds and hundreds of years before. I yeah, mean, yeah, it's it's a, the, that's why I said uh, Pope Saint Pope Saint Gregory yeah. the Great. Around that era is usually when I've been. I've been told I, I don't necessarily believe that uh, Peter wrote the uh, the Roman canon, though. So, uh, well, I guess I'm not a real trad. I mean, I, I like to think he did, you know, and that, that, <laughs> is, that is what I believe. Um, I mean, yeah, I. Yeah, I mean, I was I, gonna say on, on the topic of there being like like distinct rights, we see like the, for example, like the the kind of historical foundation of the Maronites being in like 450 for example it's so like this is pretty relatively early and I mean the Maronites are an eastern rank but nonetheless you get the well, idea this is the um this is the wonderful thing is that you can look back um you can look back uh what is it uh to well the the the, the beautiful thing about studying the liturgy is that you see common um common things, common liturgical customs. So there are some very unique things in certain rites. So if you take, for example, um, if you take, for example, the Carmelite rite, 
the Carmelite right is actually a bit um, misleading because it isn't the Carmelites exclusive right. So back when the, uh, what is it, back at the Patriarchate of Jerusalem, we of course had the Knights Templars, we had the Canon Regulars of the Holy Sepulchre and whatnot. These religious orders based within the jurisdiction of the Latin, Patri Latin Patriarchate of, of um, Jerusalem, uh, the, all of those religious orders used what is now known as the Carmelite Rite. It was only after the uh, the hermits of Mount Carmel were founded that they, of course, took on the right of their church. And because they belonged to what was at the time the Patriarchal Church of Jerusalem, they used what is now known as the Carmelite Rite. And as over the years, you know, the canons of the Holy Sepulchre have been uh, dissolved and died out, and the Templars are more of a ceremonial thing as compared to actual knights. It has became more known as the Carmelite Rite. And there are some beautiful yeah. things in these rites that are totally unique. Some things that I quite like, for example. So take uh, the altar at a Carmelite Rite. That is meant to be covered, according to the rubrics of the um, Carmelite Rite. The altar is meant to be covered with a cloth until mass starts and then covered again once the mass finishes it's only when the priest and servers are ready to begin mass that the cloth is meant to be taken off of the altar that's a very unique thing you won't find that in the rubrics of say the dominican rite or um or even the roman rite so you can look at these different liturgical customs and rubrics and how they've developed over hundreds of years and you can see that there are some very similar um very similar things to be found in rites. So, for instance, the Gallican rite and the Dominican rite are very similar. Um, so we can we can make a uh, a just judgment and say the Dominican rite comes from the Gallican family of liturgical rites. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's very interesting. There's also. Yeah, I think there's uh, on the note of the Carmelites. I want to say a side note about the Carmelites and the Carmelite rites mm. and how that's not really like the Carmelite right. You can also say the opposite direction and say, well, there's there is also finally Carmelites who don't do the Carmelite right, which would be like the the very small Byzantine Carmelite group who do. I mean, uh, of course, and I, I yeah. Uh, yeah, there is always there is always that, and I mean, the the unique thing about the Carmelite right is that. Um, it was a rite which, in essence, belonged to a religious order that was allowed to be celebrated by those who weren't technically a part of that religious order. Yeah. As compared to the Dominican rite or the uh, Premonsterian rite, which you cannot celebrate licitly without committing a mortal sin unless you belong to that, that their respective religious orders. Yeah. That's interesting. That's also... Yeah, on the Carmelite right thing, uh, on the being you know a, a, a right for religious order that is also celebrated by non-religious. It's also interesting. That's sort of how the the Maronites to go back and I guess in a circle, how they're sort of found. Like the Maronites are founded oh, as a uh, religious group, a, religi a religious order, yeah. in uh, and that maroon is the name of the. Oh, I will be honest with you. I focused my studies on the uh, 
the last no yeah totally it's a, yeah no totally it's, just, it's just interesting that it's just it's like the same sort of concept that the maronites are basically this group of pe uh, people who were mm. originally a religious order that were founded in a monastery called bet maroon mm. that eventually become uh uh their right is also of course now you know seen by people who aren't religious right and so. see that is interesting though because it's also another example of a right being accepted by a church so you know like like going back to what i said previously if you were a priest within the latin patriarchate of jerusalem you would be celebrating as your daily mass what is known as the carmelite right in the same way that um the the anglican church was offered the chance to become the equivalent of a byzantine church you know a sujuris church um church basically yeah. yeah exactly one would be expected as a priest of that hypothetical church to have celebrated either the sarum rite or the divine worship daily missile or a um, divine worship missile that would be expected of them as a member of their respective church in the same way the carmelite rite would be that of the respective church of the patriarchate of jerusalem but those things do develop and I mean, I know that there, there's, there's this big movement in the church from what I've seen, from what I've gathered of, um, and I hate using this term, but Novus Ordo priests. So being your average diocesan priest, celebrating the ordinary at Missal, despite having absolutely no connection to the ordinariate of Our Lady of Walsingham or the Chair of St. Peter or the Southern Cross. Um, and I think it's because... Uh, and this is one of my more controversial views. Reform of the reform is a dead thing. It's a, it's useless. I don't think the reform of the reform will get us anywhere. Because you look at these communities which attempt to do the reform of the reform-esque liturgy. And what you see is basically taking as much of the TLM as possible and putting it in a right where those... Um, features weren't you know there in the first place i think the reform of the reform is in all honesty a dead movement but i do have a lot of respect for those liturgical scholars who have um who have tried to push the reform of the reform type um mindset but it, you know it's never been something that i've um i've ever sort of uh believed in in all honesty um yeah i yeah i i, I do I, I i yeah i it is I think, uh I it is also it, i would say but, on the topic also of uh just briefly on the topic of like cool. the church being open to receiving rights so to speak mm. right mm. um we can also point to for example like the the reception of the chaldeans or the reception of the malabars and the malakara mm. who all are unique groups of eastern right that are accepted later they basically the malik the chaldeans malabars and malankara were not always catholic and then a few and then a group of them decided to become catholic for unique and complicated reasons mm -hmm. at different periods of time obviously yeah and the reception it, 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 into the church because actually yeah. um i was speaking to uh, a dear friend of mine who's recently uh began attending a melkite parish actually and he was mentioning to me about the priests there and the priest of his Melkite Catholic parish is an ex-Antiochian priest who recognized that the papacy 
is needed within the early church and so therefore came to the logical conclusion that he you know he had to become a roman catholic yeah and um it's a beautiful thing but i also think it's such a terrifying thing as well you know to be a part of you know the orthodox or catholic church you know and to go from orthodox to catholic not just as a layman but as a clergyman i you know it's quite a um a daunting thing i'm sure i mean so that's I have what's a lot of respect for those who have yeah a, that's what's really hindering like the discussions with the for example the assyrian church of the east right mm. who are uh i mean like we they literally they could be received pretty easily like there's very few things stopping them was from it, being was received pull the six um, yeah, Paul the, um, uh, John Paul II did a uh, did a, a mutual agreement with their patriarch at the time, whose name was Mardinko the Fourth, on Christology, basically saying that we believe in the same Christological system. Yeah, which and, is uh, yeah I, I remember reading yeah. that quite a while ago, and I, it just makes you know. I, I think I think the big problem with um, Orthodox Catholic relations is that our original schism stemmed from politics, and yeah became theological over time to the point where almost a resentment has been built up, almost a social resentment rather than like a an actual one, if that makes any sense yeah. at all. Well, um, what happened at least with, the, the, with the Assyrians especially is that when the Chaldeans got received into the church, and the Chaldeans are sort of the closest to the Assyrian church of the East, ethnically mm-hmm. and, and historically, uh, when they got received, they basically were forced, and a, a lot of people have sort of admitted this was kind of not the best decision at the time, to Latinize certain aspects of their liturgy, basically. And the, yeah. the Assyrians don't want to do that. I well, this is, this is, this is a, a big problem that we're seeing at the moment, is that um, a lot of these Eastern rites, um, well, when I say Eastern, I mean uh, more the, uh, the um, Oriental rites, as per, you know, the Byzantine rite, they're now celebrating their liturgies versus populum. And it's these modern um, liturgical um, problems which are creeping out of the Latin church and into the... Um... Well, some of them, weirdly enough, some of them actually have, like, re- like they actually, like, historically do do versus populum, which is kind of confusing. It's very strange. I yeah, remember... Like the, Malankara, I, I the, Malankara have, um, the Malankara have two altars, and at one of the altars, mm-hmm. they do versus populum, which sounds confusing. It's hard to explain, yeah. but they've always done it that way. Do you remember... Do you know uh, Dr. Peter uh, uh, Kawanensky? Is that how you pronounce his name? I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I may know yeah, him, but I don't know he, about he's, that. I, I've spoken to him before. He's, he's a wonderful fellow. He did an article um, which was basically a response to a letter he had received from a hero monk of a Orthodox monastery. And he actually spoke about um, the liturgy of the Orthodox Church and how even in um, about um, some, some Orthodox churches today, these liturgical um, errors and problems are sneaking into the Orthodox Church as well. And he showed some examples of, you know, these Greek Orthodox liturgies being celebrated with female acolytes. And it's just like, goodness gracious. Yeah. Like, it's, it's almost worse that the Orthodox are letting women be acolytes in their liturgies. Well, not formally, but some priests are allowing those errors to take place because they quite literally wear 
equivalent to what could almost be described as like a dalmatic you know yeah. it looks very very clerical and it's um it's almost concerning that you know that these type yeah. of things are taking place um <clears throat> yeah it's our uh, our minor yeah. our, our replacement of minor orders and the lay investitures that exist after uh ministeria quadam they are supposed mm. to be lay vestments they're not clerical garb and it's supposed mm. to hark back to the uh the vestments worn by baptizans and confirmants so it's supposed to be like a continuation of your sort of like uh, a sort of like uh specification of your baptismal vocation right vocation given to you in yeah. Yeah. i was uh, and i was actually gonna say i just wanted to ask because i uh I, now that i have to spend a, a, a chance to speak to calder because i've seen him in the discord a few times i haven't actually spoken to him mm. very much uh, and that was just because we were talking about it with uh, Trendy and a couple other people about the way religious orders and their particular rights were affected by um, Vatican II and sort of uh, uh, yeah. liturgical yeah. reforms, so to speak, right? Uh, and it's interesting, like, which ones got affected and which ones didn't. So, like, for example, well, like, the, like um, yeah, it, we, we talked about, for example, like the Carthusians, like what happened to the Carthusian right? Mm. Basically, all the changes to the Carthusian right are, like... Um, relatively minor and relatively like understandable why they changed it right? yeah, so like, the, the yeah. carfusion right got they the carfusions though sadly they barely celebrate their their own liturgical right anymore yeah. um actually if i remember correctly just as a side point the cistercians who are of course ever so slightly different to the carfusions the cistercians actually founded a traditional latin mass only monastery but there were a lack of vocations not because men weren't applying but because it was just so strict that no yeah. men were actually able to go there as a novice but anyway um the carfusion right from what i gather was actually left alone after vatican ii and around the uh you know trad uh, the uh, concilia reforms quite well and what well, in uh, in hindsight, the only reforms that took place to all of these liturgical rites of the religious orders were the 62 um, changes. And even then, the 62 reforms within the Dominican rite, for instance, were so very minor. Um, the, the issue isn't what Vatican II did to these liturgical rites. It's more that just after Vatican II, these liturgical rites were abandoned for the... For I know. The, uh, yeah. Leather, you know. I know the, the Carthusians in America, I forget, they're in New Jersey, I forget their name. I don't remember their name of the monastery, but they're in, they're in New Jersey. And of course, being Carthusians, you can't visit them, and, and et cetera. Yeah, uh, the ones in America do, I know from their website, do still do the Carthusian right. They actually have like a big section. I, I'm glad it. to hear that. Oh, I, wanted I, to ask you about this. I wanted to ask you about this. After the, really? the liturgical reforms, why did a bunch of the uh, the orders with their own rights somehow find themselves under the offering the mass according to the new Roman right and not according to their unmodern traditional yeah. Um it's wow. a very, very good question. And I, I would understand if they each had like their own liturgical reform movement where they sort of like attempted to 
reinterpret the liturgical reform principles and apply them to their own right in their own way. They didn't do that. They just started using the Novus Ordo. Yeah, I, I think it was a thing. Well, in hindsight, these orders were being pressured to do so, with all due respect. Um, I'd like know, to read about that. Yeah, I, I think... Um, I think it, you know, the Novus Ordo wasn't optional, right? The Novus Ordo to be celebrated wasn't unless you had these priests who uh, stuck to their guns, as it were. You you didn't have an option other than to learn the new rite of the I see. So, so it was so, the religious superiors who didn't allow the traditional rites to be celebrated? Well... There were always bishops, so from what I gather, for instance, Bishop McVinnie of the Diocese of Providence, he continued, <coughs> God bless you, he continued you. to say the traditional right in private and so on and so forth. So wh while I think that, well, I think what re really happened was a domino effect. Priests would continue to say their private masses in the old rites, their, 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 their respective liturgies, but the conventional mass would ha perhaps have to be the Pauline mass. And then it just continued on for there because as new novices came in, they weren't being educated in their old rite because they were only going to the Novus Ordo conventual rite. And I think it just dominoed from there, snowballed from, on from there to the point where because it just wasn't being taught anymore and because there was, with all due respect, a persecution of those who wanted to stick to their guns about the old rite of maths, it, it, you know, it just sort of died off. But the beautiful thing about, um, about it, though, is that... The, the, the rights, the Dominican right, for instance, you can't go to Rome and ask a question about the Dominican right unless you're going to the Dominicans in Rome. Because Rome, the Congregation for the Divine Worship, right, does not have authority over discipline of the Dominican right. That was exclusively given to the Dominicans to deal with, right? So the reason why some like the reason why you haven't seen Dominicans panicking very much about um traditionalist custodes is because realistically it doesn't matter and the beautiful well, thing and the thing you about know, the franciscans as well and this is this is what really makes me laugh true. right the the missale romanum sephericum is the missile for the franciscan order the only difference in the roman missile and the romano sephericum missile is the calendar and some Francis's name in the confitior, but because it is a actual separate missile from the missile of sixty-two, Franciscans could celebrate that and knock and get away with it because it was technically not under Traditionis Custodes. Right. I was but there say, was pretty much um, no difference. All I was going to say on the topic of why didn't they just have their own like reform movement? There were like I could point out like for example there were some that did, and the most notable to me this year would be like um, like the Camel Delees sort of did. Like the Camel Delees sort of have a weird the modern Camel Delees, the ones that are in America at least have this thing where they 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 basically do a mixture of the of the Nova Sordo and like the more traditional Camel Delees, right? So like for example the Camel Delees historically celebrate uh in a in a circle that's it sounds like a modernist thing but that's they legitimately historically have always done that which is kind of funny so they have like the <laughs> altar in the middle and then they're in a circle around it basically right oh, 
the and it has to do with Camelot's charisms and stuff like that, of course. Uh, they still do that. Like they all still do that, uh, and things like that. And they preserve particular aspects of the Camelot's liturgy, but they also do things in English, and they also do things more aligned to the new Nova Sordo as well. So I'd point them out as an example of someone who sort of did do that, but like most didn't, of course. And also the Camelot's are kind of too small for most people to sort of care about their existence, to be honest with you. But yeah. Christian, uh, I'm about to at you with a uh, with a bang and tweet. Uh -oh. oh, you are? Yeah. Bro, you I have a, I have a, I just found 1,800 pages that just one guy wrote on Logic. I can't find Calder's at. Calder, what's your current at? The OP prayer. See, I, I know, I know. I was gonna ask um, Christian if you watched that Father Peter Hears video. Which one? As well. this is gonna the be Orthodox funny. Ethos one that I sent you. The one that's like an Orthodox response to like the last thousand years of Catholicism or whatever. Oh no. It's like three hours long. We have to watch it at some point. It's like the greatest thing oh, ever. Oh my gosh. <laughs> my watch oh, at work tonight. Get some get some education. Oh, yeah, Catholic yeah. answers blocked you? Question mark? Question mark? Live on air, we found it out. <laughs> Hold up. We're Tana, virtually holding Tana, like, microphones here. Please. Something. I'm not sure if it's working. Oh, it worked. Okay. Check that out. I'm, I'm trying to form a like system of reading like these just dozens of scholastic philosophy names. Look at it. Know. Look at it, Christian. Come on. I need to, I need to hear your, okay. hear okay. your responses. Okay. Okay. It's not even in English, dude. Yeah, well, you can click Base. translate tweet, bro. Look at the image Base. and click translate tweet. Okay, so tres mujeres. <laughs> Pose wearing traditional cobijadas, uh, suits of mantle and skirt of Castilian origin, which began to be used in the 16th century on a street corner in the head of Bra Chad. In 1972. 1972, bro. Look at this. And this is so Spain. Extremely based. Is this Spain? Yeah. Based yeah. Spain moment. Bruh, this is based. W women need to start wearing stuff like this in America, dude. No, they could keep so amazing. This is this is I... so <laughs> so yeah, based. So based. Um, why why don't why don't we have like a I, it makes me so sad that we don't have like a, a traditional like Christian dress for women in the West for modesty. The, the thread is really good. The Kobihada, whose origin, despite what has been said, has no connection. Garment that women wore voluntarily out of tradition and modesty to go out. It was made of black merino wool and had a white satin lining. Uh, there's more of it. Well, uh, the use of uh, the use of the kobihada was declining due to the, with the passage of time and new customs, but it remained intact in the Cadiz municipalities of Vejer and Tarifa. In this one, with the name Tapada, until the Republic prohibited it in 1936 because of it, because apparently it could be used as a mask for crimes. Ugh. So gay. Liberal, uh, bro, liberal democracy, mud democracy, dude. Yeah, this, this is the, the behold the fruit of democracy. <laughs> behold the fruit in, of in democracy. the 1940s, attempts were made to recover these kobihadas, but it was not used as blank as 
they were used as blankets, but the ladies of Vejer continued to go out covered, always, although they wore shawls since they had, uh, since they had used their uh, cobijadas for other things. Uh, it says, it wasn't until the 70s, yo, the modern image, when the town of Vejer recovered the use of this Castilian garment, but turning it into a traditional costume. Its use was no longer everyday and natural, very cringe. It was associated with folklore, with the Oliva festivities, the figures of the largest uh, Kawihada and of honor. Uh, and then it says, Bro, a symbol of gonna, the tradition. I'm, having I'm no buy place my wife one of these to wear out. <laughs> <laughs> An integral uncovering, which is no more than a folklore relic, a black statue remains, stubborn and sober, in the corner of a viewpoint in Vejer de la Frontera. Everything... Uh, like a, a funeral monument to feminine modesty, okay? I'm following this guy. He's our guy, obviously. Uh, Shad. We got we got to have him on to tell us to, to tell us about uh, the the Kubikatra or whatever it's called. One second, um, I'm gonna, I just want to interject only to say that I have to go because it's literally 90 degrees in my bedroom, and if I don't get off stream, I'm gonna die of a heat stroke. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I have to I have to also go. I gotta <laughs> spend some time with the wife. Let me join stream. Oh, rip guy. We're too, too, uh, everybody's asking for link. Nah, too late. Wait till next week. Uh, every, every Friday we'll be doing this Kings. So, uh, so I will see you next week. Stop being a misogynist. 